0: Good evening. The time is now 7.30 and we're about to get started. First, I want to welcome everyone to the New Omicron Chapter of Omega Psi Fraternity Incorporated Black Men Talk Series. And before we get started, it's our culture and it's our tradition to invoke God in everything that we do. So at this time, I'm going to ask our resident chaplain of New Omicron Chapter, our principal, Mr. Anthony M. Hooks to bring us in with a word of prayer. Brother Hooks, please. Yeah, I
1: was going to say, are you sure you want to buy or that you don't want him to give you anything?
2: Yeah. Let us pray. Merciful, gracious, and heavenly Father, we come before you this evening, Lord, just thanking you. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be able to put on this Series this opportunity to share with our community, but most importantly, Lord, to share with your people. We want to thank you, Father, for this. We ask, Lord, that you may bless each and every person who are participating tonight. But most importantly, Lord, we want to ask that you may bless all of our panelists, our moderator. Lord, allow their words, their wisdom, allow their words and wisdom to guide us and inform us on what you think is right for us as we move forward in this season of voting. Father, we know none of this would have been possible without you, so we give you the glory, we give you praise, and we give you thanks, Lord. And as a man of God of my true faith, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for this blessing. And we ask, Father God, that you may continue to bless this great organization the great men that's on this call and women for everyone that's on this call lord we want to say thank you these things we ask in your precious name amen
0: amen Amen. thank you brother hooks for such a wonderful prayer and we want to thank all the brothers of new omicron who helped put this together but i would be remiss if i didn't shout out the leader our fearless leader who gives us direction, who gives us leadership, and who's the boss list of our chapter here in New York, right here, located in Jamaica, Queens, our boss list, Dr. William Cooper. Brother Cooper, some remarks, please.
3: Thank you, Brother Leandre, and uh, thank you for that awesome introduction. Good evening, everyone. And I, on behalf of the new Omicron chapter of Omega Psi Phi fraternity, I would just like all to right, welcome sorry. all of you. Yeah, we're getting a lot of a lot of... I would just like to welcome all of you to our Black 100. Men Talks series. Tonight's topic is the miseducation of the 21st century voter. And hopefully today, you will walk away with valuable information that you can share with our community in an effort to ensure that we have 100% uh, voter registration this November when it comes time to vote. Um, the Board of Registration Mobilization Education is one of our fraternity's mandated programs. And so it is in that spirit that we present this topic to you tonight. So with that being said, I will turn it back over to our awesome moderator, Jacques Leandre. Thank you
0: so much, uh, Brother Bossless. And as you all can tell, we have a dynamic, dynamic um, panel here this evening, and we're going to now ask the panelists to introduce themselves within 60 seconds. And yes, it's called Black Men's Talk, but here at Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, we appreciate and understand the value of all black women. And we do have a woman, our panelists, and we believe that chivalry isn't dead. So we're going to ask, Anita, if you could be the first panelist so please introduce yourself.
4: Wonderful. Well, good evening, everyone. My name is Onita Coward Mayers. I am so happy to be invited for this Black Male Talk series. Um, I am currently the uh, vice president of the Maram Group, a government relations firm where I serve as a lobbyist there uh before that i was the founding director of nyc votes the voter education program for the city of new york and then right before that i was the founding director of bcat brooklyn community access television i'd like to thank uh brother james for inviting me uh to participate this evening and i'd like to thank all the brothers of New Omicron chapter of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, and I am a proud member of Alpha Cap Alpha Sorority Incorporated, where I bring greetings from our basilisk Victoria, <laughs> um, who um, is so happy to know that I am here with you, and I know her husband, and is also a proud member. So I come representing Delta Rho Omega uh, chapter as well of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much. And we, we want to thank Brother James Chavis, our vice boss list, for retaining not only Ms. Coward Mayers, but our husband as well, who's serving as a panelist uh, this evening as well. And in his own right, he's done tremendous things. And we're going to ask Brother Gregorio Gabriel Mayers to please give us a 60-second introduction.
5: Uh, oh great, it. now I'm muted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Good evening to the brothers of Omega Psi. Uh, Jack Leandre, is good to see you again. <laughs> uh, thank you for your leadership and brother James Chavis um, as well. Um, I look forward to this dialogue. Again, um, quick 60 seconds.
1: Okay.
5: I'm an attorney and a professor at City University of New York. I have been uh, doing elections and campaigns for many years. Um, Prior to that, I had uh, eight years as a senior advisor in City Hall to Bloomberg, uh, in in the Bloomberg administration. Um, And I look forward to this panelist and look forward to providing some good information. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. And our our next panelist, well, we have
0: two panelists who hail from the mighty new Omicron chapter uh, here. Uh, and his name is Namon Jones. I, I believe Naimon has a compelling story to tell and, and, and background. So Naimon, I know it's a lot, but I need you to do it within 60 seconds, sir.
6: <laughs> Thank you, bro. Uh, Namon Jones, a proud member of New Omicron chapter of the Mega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, uh, currently the Senior Vice President of Uh, Ozzy Media, uh, and prior to that was with uh, a VP of sales for uh, BET Network. So I've been in media for uh, over 20 years and really excited to be on this panel uh, and to share with you my knowledge and uh, really excited to talk about voter suppression. And uh, I used to be one of those guys. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but really excited to be here. Thank you so much for the introduction and uh, excited to jump in.
0: Thank you, sir. And on Last, but definitely not least, we call him a young gun. He has Jamaica Queens on fire. Uh, He's uh, organizing the community. He's making sure that our communities galvanize on various issues. And uh, many of you have seen him in media quite often the last uh, few weeks uh, as a young leader in the community, Um, James Johnson, hailing out of Andrew Jackson High School, now known as Campus Magnet, but we call it Andrew Jackson if you're from Southeast
7: Queens. (laughs) John, thank you. I appreciate you, my my great friend, brother, for the introduction. Um, I'm James Johnson. I am actually my day job. I'm the Southeast Queens rep for the New York City Comptroller's Office, Scott Stringer. Um, I'm a founder of Opportunities for Southeast Queens Millennials. Um, I am the chair of the New Omicron chapter, social action chair. I'm the social action chair for the New Omicron chapter, um, board member of the Springfield Rifles. John didn't want to mention the Springfield Rifles because you know he's the president of Rosedale Jets, all right? So, you know, but you know, I'm from the community. I'm happy to speak on, uh, on this topic today. I'm excited for our chapter to come together and organize this and welcome everybody for joining us.
0: Thank you so much, Mr. Johnson. Well, we also have with us, the congressman from the 5th congressional district he's hard working he actually was on the call a little earlier a congressman gregory Meeks, but he had to run out duty called and and cast uh, a couple of votes and as I'm you back. know he's been on the front line uh fighting for our community and uh fighting against mr 45 so uh he should be joining us after he casts his vote and um i don't think he needs any introduction so we're gonna get started. When our congressman comes back, we'll revisit our he's congressman. Back. I'm back. Oh, he's back. See, he's always on time. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> congressman.
8: Yes, sir. Let me just take a minute real quick. I'm delighted to be with the brothers. Uh, this is uh, something that I think is significant for our community, uh, the brothers coming together. Uh, we'll talk later on because I'm also focused on getting the divine nine. and something that we have to do for our people. I just came back a few hours ago from Atlanta, Georgia, where was at the funeral of the late, great John Robert Lewis. And it really was inspirational for me. And it lets us know that we've got to continue the march. Uh, his last public appearance was standing on Black Lives Matter Plaza in Washington, DC, because he felt he had to make that statement and show almost uh, actually the passing of the baton. Uh, knowing that he was going the next day into the hospital and the hospital would never hit the streets again. Uh, And what he stood for, uh, how he conducted himself, is a role model for all of us to make sure that we keep marching. And I hope you all read the editorial page of the New York Times today, because he wrote an essay requesting that that be read on the day of his funeral, uh, a few days before he passed. And if you read that uh, editorial by John Lewis, you will know that you brothers are on the right path by having this meeting tonight uh, and inspiring young people to go to vote and get education on why this is important. So I'm delighted to be with you today uh, and I uh, should be with you. I got one more vote, but I should have some time before I have to do that. But thank you, Brother Jock, and thank you to President Wells and all of the brothers.
0: Thank you so much, Congressman. So in fact, we'll just kick it off with a question for you first, Congressman. And this is going to be an informal, I I don't want to say fireside chat because it's a little too hot out there to be fireside, but air-conditioned chat that we're going to have. And the the first question, um, Congressman, we have a lot of uh, voters, particularly young voters, who feel disaffected with the whole political process and may not necessarily know what is all at stake, whether it's judgeships, um, policy, et cetera. Can you give us an overview of what is at stake concerning the 2020 presidential election?
8: Well, you hit it right on the head when you said judgeships. But uh, I would talk about first, uh, first and foremost, is the Supreme Court and all of the federal courts. And the reason why I say that first and foremost is that when you think about, and all you have to do is review a little bit of history, if you go after the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, you'll see that we had uh, the opportunities where African-Americans and others, we thought that we were in the reconstruction, that everything was gonna be all right. But what eroded those, that progress and what was the vision at the time after the Emancipation Proclamation was the Supreme Court and the courts. They ruled that, purpose, that Plessy v. Ferguson was the law of the land. They ruled that Jim Crow was all right. They ruled that you could remove people from their land. They ruled that segregation uh, was the law of the land. And for almost 80 years, it stayed the same. Until what? The Supreme Court and the courts started to rule differently to change the face and the direction that this country was going in. We're at that crucial point once again, uh, where uh, if this current guy who is in the White House, Uh, Gets another four years. He will get another two, maybe even three Supreme Court justices, which can roll back because we've seen what they've done rolling back voting rights uh, already. Rolled back when we talked about affirmative action. It was the courts that rolled that back. But I'll close on this, you know, John Lewis put his life on the line for us to pass civil rights and voting rights. And you see this president even today, talking about trying to delay the elections and do other things and hoping that he would get the courts to support him. So if you're talking about housing discrimination, if you're talking about education discrimination, if you're talking about uh, economic discrimination, all of that is on the line because a lot of that will go and be litigated before the courts. So the number one issue I tell my young brothers, it is not you know in your lifetime because these next judges will be your judges for the next 50 years. And your children's lifetime. So it is important that we go out to vote, uh, and for nothing else, understanding that the judgeships are on the line. And I close, the country's on the line. You know, oftentimes you hear me say and others say that this is the most important election of our lifetime. Well, this time it really is. Because if you look at everything that this current guy, you know, and I believe we have to evict him. He's a guy that lives in public housing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue who needs to be evicted. If you look at what he has done to all of our international relationships, to all of our domestic, in the way that divided us domestically, Barack Obama was dynamite today uh, at Mr. Lewis's funeral. You will know that this is indeed the most important election of our lifetime. And we've got to get out to vote like never before.
0: Uh, Thank you, Congressman. Um, the next question will go to Mrs. Cowan Mayers. We know that you are credited for creating and launching several civic engagement first, including New York City's video voter guide, New York City Voter Awareness Month and the New York City Youth Poet Laureate Program. Um, what recommendations would you give to community activists uh, who are interested in uh, introducing a new voter into the political process. Gelani um, has a chapter up in New York.
4: Thank you very much for that question. And I just wanted to address our congressman and to also give uh, my condolences to you as well, as we are all uh, mourning the loss of this great giant. Uh, but at the same time, we stand inspired by his life and I think that's why we're here and I know definitely one of the reasons I'm very proud uh, to be here this evening is because we know we stand on his shoulders and we have a lot of work to do that he um, has given us so much. Um, Now I'm very happy to say that I have served uh, in a capacity where I was able to make certain impacts. Um, One of the first things was Voter Awareness Month uh, that was uh, back in 2008, which was giving an opportunity for there to be um, a structured time within the year where right before election day, before the voter uh, deadline, to make sure that there were voter drives all over our city. Uh, This program that was started then, and I'd say at that time that we launched it, We stood with the wife of Medgar Evers College, the daughter of, I mean, of Medgar Evers, and the um, daughter of Medgar Evers when we launched this program. So it was really, really impactful, Uh, and what that did was it inspired then a national movement to do National Voter Registration Day, which we basically led for many years. And then New York came back and wanted to do a student version. So we have a student voter registration day. Uh, that allows you you know, to have a, a, a structured mechanism to go into high schools and to present to um, seniors and those coming of age and registering them, giving them civic lessons and having community groups come in and do that. Uh, and this administration has continued that. So I think there's opportunities and we're talking about young people to go in and let them see not only their teachers, which is great, but they see them all the time, but to let them see the faces in the community that they can identify with and, and tell the stories to them and register them on the spot. And we registered thousands and thousands of students in a single day. So I th- that's something that we can continue to do. And yes, uh, we did the Youth Poet Laureate Program, which was a voter-themed spoken word competition. The point of that really is, is we have to go and meet the students where they are. What are their interests? And creatively bring in um, voter uh, awareness, voter registration, get out and vote messages, census messages. We have to bring it in the forum where they are. So I would encourage us to make sure that we don't look at our youth population as just one population, because there's several segments of the youth uh, population, and to make sure that we uh, meet them with uh, creative programming that speaks to what their interests are and we know that these um that they have a lot of students that i mean a lot of interest and stand for a lot and uh, we see it already now with the social justice movements that they are in the in in leading in this effort right now Um, and and that is something that we have to galvanize so we have to continue to support our youth we have to sometimes know to follow them, not necessarily try to lead them, but to follow them.
0: And, and I'm glad you made that point because it's a perfect segue to a question for our next pan- panelist, um, Mr. James Johnson, who happens to be one of the youth on this panel today. And um, Mr. Johnson, just in the conversations you've had with your peer group, what are some of the, the issues that you feel, or, or what are some of the barriers that you feel prevent young people from getting engaged and being enthused about this whole political process?
7: Uh, well, some of the barriers I've seen um, young people talk about, my peers, when they say that, is uh, the instant gratification, right? Now, it could be a good thing. Actually, uh, my frat brother, Joel, they actually said it, um, that instant gratification might not be a bad thing necessarily, but young people kind of want to see stuff happen right away. They don't really want to... Go through the process and see, you know, if you do this, if you do that, you know, this can happen. They they kind of want it right there, like a, like you know, making popcorn, right? Um, and they don't understand the process a lot of times. And on the flip side, um, when they don't understand the process, they kind of get uh, you know, uh, kind of I say, ostracized, you know, a lot, pretty much, you know, if process. You don't understand what's going on. You want things your way. Um, on another side is that I feel that well, a lot of young people feel that they're not, um, the people that are in, in positions aren't really welcoming to a lot of young people that are asking questions, that want to get involved, that want to know what's going on. And it's kind of, that's, a, that's an issue. There's no real, um, that, that's one of the main issues I've seen in Southeast Queens or just over and over across the city is that young people kind of want to get in right at, right then, but there's a process that they have to kind of take their time and learn things. And young people want to get in right there. And the elders are like, you know what? We're going to teach you this way, that way. And that kind of can turn people off from the work. So way.
0: what have kept you steadfast in this process and, and on the battlefield and, and politically motivated?
7: I see the vision. Um, I understand the needs of our area of our community um i know that politics well government is connected to community and communities connected of government so understanding everything in and out i know that if you have a certain elected official um that's in office they can help with community centers or they might can help with more funding for resources for youth at woken's park or you might have uh, state legislators that are pushing to make sure things are illegal like a like a, a chokehold or, you know, a, a things of that nature, right? So, you know, or knowing the, knowing the records of, of officers that have been doing the wrong things while being on the court. Um, I understand the long haul, is, the difficult part is kind of articulating that to young people to say, this is a process, it doesn't happen right away. Uh, it takes a little bit of time. Um, that, that's the biggest issue. Uh, what is that again? Okay. Uh, what keeps me going is, is I, I see the long I see the vision. Um, I also was was taught the right way as well. I would say.
0: Okay, well uh, thank you, Brother Johnson, and, and it's always encouraging to know that young people like yourself are actually on the battlefield and encouraging other young people, the peer group, to understand this electoral process. But you touched a bit upon the criminal justice or criminal injustice. Uh, um, issue. And our panelist, Naaman Jones, who is now a senior vice president of revenue and operations for Ozzy, he climbed up a rough road of the mountain, so to speak. And uh, Namon, I-, I want to get your experience, because I believe you have a compelling story, especially when it comes to our young people and their interaction with the criminal justice system and how to overcome some of the barriers after having contact with
6: the criminal justice system. Absolutely. So thank you for this panel. Uh, What I'll say this panel and and things of this nature is so important, uh, especially young black men. Uh, If you're like me, who who, uh, had a father who was absent for the most uh, prominent years of his life, uh, it makes a difference. And so when you're growing up without a father or male figure, uh, what happens is you look for validation uh, in, in other places. And so my story uh, 19 years old, was married with kids in college, trying to do some things uh, positively and got caught up um, in, in a wrong group, uh, looking for validation for friends, or you think that you're friends and you make a mistake at an early age. And so I was in a scenario where uh, there were guys running guns across state lines, even though I didn't have much contact to know what they were doing. I got caught up in there with wrong one wrong decision. And many people would think that when you make a, when you make a bad decision or something happens, that life is over, you can't make an impact. You can't, you can't have a difference in life. And it's so not true. I have a strong compassion for, um, you know, men that are incarcerated and young men because uh, there is life afterwards. I believe everybody deserves another chance. Uh, And and, and I believe that everybody done something wrong, you just didn't get caught. And so for me, My faith kept me grounded. Uh, My faith showed me that God will cushion your fall no matter what. And so I I was in college and in the military at the same time, had a great career ahead of myself. And I made one wrong decision that cost me so much. But I didn't allow that to stop me. I didn't allow that to, to hinder my process and hinder me to progress forward. I was determined. Uh, I, I saw the things that were around me. I, I saw the people that I were growing up with, they were either dying or, or going to jail and, and staying in that, in that capacity, they weren't exposed to much. And so, uh, getting involved in the ministry and getting involved in my church and um, just having some people, some real strong black men to tell me that there is life afterwards and that you can make a difference. You can make an impact. I started mentoring young kids. Um, I, I started doing things throughout the community that helped. And, What's amazing about that is the same folks uh, that convicted me to be a convicted felon were the same folks that I ended up helping to be elected because I am in the marketing business. And, and so it allowed me to see that individuals will, will pimp what I, what I call pimp your gift, right? They saw that I was gifted in certain areas so the very ones i mean i 'm talking about prosecutors and, and individuals running for you know city council and uh, you know one of my really good friends, uh, Louise Lucas. Uh, I helped them get elected by creating their campaigns to, and, and pushing forward their marketing campaigns to get them elected so in my mind, that told me that that I was valuable, and so one of the things I speak about when I even talk to young men that are even incarcerated or what have you is. You can make it. Uh, you know, I have a degree, and I I've matriculated in my career to make a difference in the in in the community. But more than that, you know, disenfranchised means being suppressed your right to vote. That's what disenfranchised means. Well, in the state of New York, which is one of many states now. Once you come out of your convicted sentence, or once you finish your process, you can vote. You have a voice. And many people that's been in trouble uh, don't believe that they have a voice. And that's the, one of the misconceptions that we have amongst especially young black men. They don't believe that their, votes, their vote counts. They don't believe that they have a voice. And so, you know, I stand here today as a living witness that uh, God of you fall and you do have a voice and it's major. And so I've been voting. I've, I've been heavily involved in the political arena. Not only can you vote, you can hold an elected office. Um, you can do many of the things that you think you cannot do uh, once you complete a sentence or once you finish, uh, you know, whatever that process is. So I have a strong compassion, especially for young black men who have been convicted, uh, you know, right? They're in right? That they're, they're in prison for something they didn't even do. And so I have a strong compassion for that. I'm just grateful that God allowed me to, to be where I am now. And, uh, I'm going to keep pushing forward.
0: Well, brother Jones, uh, thank you for so much for the courage to give that testimony. Cause many of us in certain, um, uh, you know, circles, we, we don't want to talk about the tests. We just want to give, you know, a, a testimony. You actually tell us about the tests that you've been through and, and God using your gifts to be able to speak to our young people. And, and I felt that you're, your testimony needed to be heard on this line because unfortunately in our community our young people run into law enforcement more than they should right absolutely and with that with, with that being said sometimes it takes someone who's been through a process to be able to reach someone who's going through a, a, a process and we want to thank you for uh, for just having the courage man to talk about your truth and 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 where you are I appreciate you on that The next, the the next question, we're going to bring it a little bit more local because 2021 in New York City is going to be unprecedented. I mean, historic. We have in 2021, we're going to have a new mayor because of term limits, a new comptroller, four out of the five borough presidents will be incumbents, no, won't be incumbents, excuse me, insurgents, and 35 out of the 51 council members will be brand new. So New York is going to have a makeover in 2021. And uh, Gregorio, I know you work with many candidates. And I, can you give us your perspective in terms of what makes uh, an effective candidate an effective leader and just from your experience in working with so many candidates through uh, your firm?
5: Great. Thank you so much, uh, Brother Leandre, for that question. And uh, before that, let me just uh, bring greetings to our Congressman. I didn't wasn't on earlier to say you know welcome. And also my colleague Senator Leroy Comrie, you know greetings. I see him on. We've worked together for many years while I was in in, in government. Um, to take that question into into context, you are right. I have noticed a trend um, in the last three or four years. Uh, last year, I won two judicial race. The year before that, I, run, uh, I, I won a race interest in, in Coney Island in Brooklyn and Bay Ridge. Um, Mathilde Frontis, Haitian American sister, won by 56 votes. And that was very interesting because the dynamics dealt with Russian Jewish community, it dealt with the Asian community, and um, Brother Naaman Jones talked about marketing. And one of the things that we did was to really reach out. And we found that identity politics is really changing. Um, The demographics are changing, as you talked about the city council seats. I think another trend is what I used to consider the base, which were the, and it still is, but it has diminished to some extent, which was the faith-based institution. I could pretty much guarantee in certain churches, based on the numbers, based on how many folks were uh, voters in that church, that a percentage that I would get. But as um, Brother James Johnson said, the younger generations are not necessarily there. So Brother Jones will understand it. So from a marketing perspective, that audience, the 18 to 34, not all, but a large percentage are not in the church. So you have to meet them somewhere at the breakfast club, right? You have to do other engagements in how you meet them. And I think what was tradition in terms of baseline Democrat, small D Democrats, I think there's a seismic shift as we saw what happened in Brooklyn and in Queens with the DSA, the Democratic Socialist. And what I found from on a college campus is that a lot of the young students feel and a lot the 18 to 34, oh, <laughs> I can vote for you if I like how you stand in a particular issue, even if your politics are, is, is, is much more conservative. Um, so what we have is not the traditional way. So next year, as you said, Jacques, the third old 35 seats, and Tip O'Neill, former speaker, and Greg Meeks certainly know that of the House of Representatives always said, all politics are local. So this forum is very critical uh, to have brother uh, uh, Johnson on. It is good to galvanize and get that 18 to 34, then the 35 to the 60 voters on, because when the sites make shift, a church wo- average church person, 64 year old, may be looking at a 31 year old candidate, right? With different views and different political ideology. And we're going to start to see that. you are right, by 2021, the borough president raised, will be younger. Some will be not so younger, but they're coming from a different culture. They're coming from a different philosophical and ideology ideological view. And we have to adjust. We mean it as voters, as residents, to either engage them or to show our power that we can vote them in or vote them out. But we have to be part of the process. So in closing, in, in summarizing that, as someone who's ran many campaigns and continue to do so, um, I'm seeing a shift. We had a race in Brooklyn that I was involved in, in Bed-Stuy, the 56th Assembly District. Young lady, African-American, my client, won against a Jewish young man in Bed-Stuy. You Bed-Stuy. The Jewish white candidate won, believe hope you're sitting down, won every ED in Marcy Projects. That's Jay-Z Projects. Every ED, there were four. He won every ED because he went there, he talk about Black Lives Matters, he talk about hip hop, he talk about ICU, and he's a 30-something-year-old white male. So I'll close with that to put that in context as Bed-Stuy and other neighborhood has to change. The vote was 6,000 to 5,000. How does someone five years in that community gain so much vote and got black artists to come on his team? I'm saying trend will happen in Queens. You will start to see that in the Bronx. You start to see that in other places. Uh, Thank you so much. And
0: and that's really eye opening when you think someone can go into quote unquote Jay-Z's housing development and, and don't look like the community and actually get a block of votes. And speaking of block voting, how do we in our community form a block because it's always well the you know the voting in uh southeast queens is really high but i don't know necessarily if they see our votes as a block they may see a lot of votes but there's a difference between a block vote correct and a lot of other votes
5: just a whole bunch of other votes scattered yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what's really changing because the block votes a lot would come in. Congressman, me can speak to that as well from, from the faith base, right? So there are certain demographics where, you know, as a block, for instance, in Crown Heights, where the Hasidic Jews will vote as a block because historically, they will always vote from a in, 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 in a block, um, largely. Some will divert, but largely, whatever the rabbi said, they'll vote from a block. Absent, absent, strong community organizations absence fraternities organizations sorority organizations um it's harder to come from a perspective to uh, as a block and i think strengthening our fraternities or sororities or community-based organization that is how the external community will look at southeast queens and say ah you have the black church that's a block we have the fraternities and sororities, that's a block. James Johnson and his young crew, that's a block. They have the 18 to 34 hip hop group. And, and, and that's where the block will start to come. But you're right, because if you, don't, if you no longer have that block, you will start to see the dismantling, right? Okay. Where mm-hmm. the opponent will be able to pick and choose and put one of each other. And that's potentially what will start to happen.
0: Got it. Um, co- Congressman, um, at, at this time, do you think that our community has the political maturity and political discipline to form a block, stick together as a block, and vote as a block? I'm muted.
8: I think that the last election showed that Southeastern and Southeastern Queens, we did. That's why starting in 2021, Donovan Richards will be the next borough president of Queens County because folks had someone that they could believe in, a young man, he's only in his 30s, so you talk about young folks, that now will be the borough president of Queens. And if you look at the numbers, especially in southeastern Queens in the 5th Congressional District, we had the highest turnout Mm -hmm. of the state because there was somebody that they believed in. Now, that does exactly what I heard the other speakers say. He's right, though. So, we understood that you cannot just go to the churches anymore. You got to meet the young people where they are. And they inspired me. So they were in the streets. They were protesting. You know, and I, if I wasn't out there, if Leroy wasn't out there, then maybe have, it wouldn't have been the same. But all of us were out there. Because it's protests to politics. That's what the connection is. Now, if you don't show that you're going to be out there reaching out, then you could be hit with a tsunami in another kind of way. Mm -hmm. And that's just called accountability, which is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So what we've been trying to do in Southeastern Queens, particularly, with my good brother and state Senator Leroy Comrie, but all of us, we talk on a regular basis every day, just about unless we are voting, et cetera. Every day, all of us get on the phone and we talk about what's going on, whether it's in Washington, whether it's in Albany or in the city council and what legislation is going on and how we can help one another because we understand the objective is to serve the people that we represent, our constituency. So if we are doing that, then the movement doesn't get confused. So I'll say this straight out. Sometimes it gets confused. The Black Lives Matter movement is not the DSA movement. Those are two different things. Now some would like to get involved in the Black Black Lives Matter and use it for another purpose. So we can't get confused about that because they're not really, we still have an agenda as a people that we have to make sure that we are a part of and don't get left out. So I think I can feel free to say to my brothers that don't get fooled because there's some old liberals, so-called, will tell us what we should do and how we should do it and who should be our leaders. But we can judge for ourselves by who's in there working with us on a regular basis. And if we do that, even in the black church, some young pastors are kind of come along to energize and get the young black folks back in the church or get them into another you know religious institution. And I see that because I can watch, for example, my 20-year-old daughter, who was not interested in going to church all the time, but she sees a certain pastor that she sees online <laughs> that is speaking the word that she wants to hear. And every Sunday, she runs down to get online to listen to that pastor. So it makes a difference. And that's where we are. And I close on this, just think about it. It's not anything universal. Because sometimes we forget Dr. King was one of those young pastors. When he started his movement, he was only 25 years old. John Lewis started at 17 years old. So you don't have to be old. You just got to make sure you got someone that's talking the language. John Lewis said he heard the voices of Dr. King. He didn't say he heard those old time pastors. He heard a young pastor and that word reverberated with him and made him focus to the movement for the rest of his life. The same is true today.
0: Got it. Thanks so much, uh, Congressman. And uh, I I see we have some folks that I just want to give a quick shout out. I see our state senator, Leroy Comrie. He's in the house i see we also have uh folks from the labor movement uh the president of local 371 anthony wells and he's also the international president for ask me he's in the house as well with over i think a million members uh uh, somewhere around there right press somewhere around there we want to thank you for joining this discussion And, and this discussion is not only for the you know, those who are experienced, but it's also for the novice voters as well and the information that we get today, hopefully we can pass it on to a brother or sister who may not have the information that we're receiving today. And when we look at voting, voting has changed drastically the advent of technology. Um, There's no more chads or or, or flickers. Uh, Now we're talking about scan voting, we're talking about early voting. And Anita, uh, can you talk to us a little bit? about? i got to run a make-a-vote,
8: speaking of voting. I hope to get back in time before you close. I've got to run oh, a make-a-vote.
0: Okay, Congressman. Thank you so much. Um, uh, um, uh, Ms. Coward Mayers, uh, I'm sorry for referring to you as Anita. Uh, we know each other on a first-name basis. But um, when it comes to absentee ballots, I know there was a whole lot of confusion around absentee ballots, early voting. And now we have, I believe, ranked choice voting in New York. Can you speak to the, the top, those three uh, topics, rank choice voting, absentee ballots, as well as early voting? One second, we have to take you off mute. One second, I'm sorry.
8: The tech team, please help
3: out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sending her a request to unmute. You need to, do you see the request? Yes, we're good now, thank you.
4: There we go. Uh, yes, Jock, of course you can call me Onida. Our children go to college together at Hampton <laughs> University right. as well.
0: That's, That's <laughs> and right.
4: And your wife, my Sora, my girl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely.
4: <laughs> um, but definitely, yes, we do want to know because a lot of things have happened. And I'm very proud of the things that have happened because... For five years straight, I led a delegation um, under something called Advocacy Day uh, for going to Albany because in the state is where all of these laws are, you know, addressed by uh, the different houses. Um, so we were lobbying for um, early voting for quite some time, and so very happy that, you know, now in 2019, the governor um, then, you know, uh, signed early voting in, which is now nine days before election day. Uh, So it, I mean, that's a very important thing, because it does change the paradigm of how we not only vote, but how we start to, Um, strategize for our get out the vote and that's very important for groups for fraternities and sororities who do a lot of work around GOTV Um, because now it's not just getting people to go out and vote on Election Day but giving them the opportunity to vote now nine days these days in advance and this year it's gonna be October 24th to November 1st so we have to have a plan of how we're going to share this with our members of our community clearly part of it is that we it's its easier you don't have as much um, lines on the day of Election Day so that's very important but but just also in a time like now where we're all very concerned about what's going to be happening with our voting and how it's going to be challenged we want to get our votes in as early as possible. I can't tell you the amount of times that people come to me on election day because then things happen. And then on election day, they're trying to figure their stuff out. Let's vote early. Let's front load this system with our votes and make sure that we're all counted and counted early. Uh, Ranked choice voting, as you know, is going to be coming in in 2021, not this year. So we don't have to worry about that for this year. But it is, I mean, but it could also come in for some special elections. Um, you mentioned earlier about um, Donovan Richards becoming the borough president and Richie Torres becoming the congressman and these are city council races special elections that will uh, be taking place and they will have ranked choice voting as part of it and ranked choice voting is basically um, ranking your vote so in New York City uh, you will be able to rank up to five um, candidates of choice uh, and um, you know your first if somebody wins that first choice outright with the 50% they're in that's it but if that doesn't happen then the person um, the, the, the the last place person then is eliminated and your per- personal vote for that person then goes you um, To the second choice person. And that continues on and on until they find a winner. Um, So, you know, there are a lot of things that that people will say are benefits um, to ranked choice voting, that it reduces the um, divisiveness in politics, it restores a sense of faith in democracy. Um, It helps to legitimize the winner. Uh, It saves on our cost of elections because it costs a lot of money to run um, runoff campaigns. So rank choice voting will accomplish a lot of those. Um, Definitely with our absentee ballots, We wanna make sure, and we wanna look at our seniors, we wanna look at those who are sick and shut in. We wanna make sure that they get absentee ballot applications early, Um, and when they get back their ballots, it will come with a return postage paid, so they'll be able to complete it and to return the application, uh, return their ballot, Uh, and uh, so you'll have the absentee. Clearly, I just don't wanna forget voter registration because you can, uh, register to vote by going to the the Board of Elections uh, or you can um, down, you can download it from several sites. There is online voter registration that's available through the New York State Department of Motor Vehicles. Uh, you'll just need to set up a profile uh, with a valid New York State driver's license or non-driver's license uh, number and and also with your social security number and then that will begin the process of registering to vote Uh, online with them and then of course we're going to get to election day and when we get to election day we really want to make sure that people do some homework before. And that's part of where we can help the community. So let them know that they can see their ballot in advance. So you can go to the Board of Elections website and look at what your ballot is and make your decisions um, early. Uh, Then you can also go there and do your poll site locator because sometimes poll, poll sites change. So you wanna do that homework and know where you're going. So basically you wanna plan for election day. And then those who have Accessibility um, restrictions. You want to find out if your, you know, your all your post sites are accessible. But where is that entrance? Um, and then finally, look up the districts where you are. Your ADED, and that will help you as well uh, as you prepare to go in on election day. So those are some of the technical things that I think are very important that that we should know. And as we're creating materials. Um, to give to our community, that we have those in store. Um, Also, we want to tell people not to go wearing um, too much campaign paraphernalia because there are restrictions around that as well. Uh, and, and, And while New York State, you don't have to have an ID, I always say have your ID. Um, so, you know, I, I, I raise a young black man and my husband and I make sure he doesn't go anywhere without an ID. So you should just have your ID on you. So there's certain things also that are cultural to how we do, uh, voter registration and get out the vote in our communities that we need to be, uh, prepare our young people and all people for, um, we, we, we care a lot for our older population. And we have to make sure that they understand if they need affidavit forms, if there are things that we can do to help them uh, to prepare for election day, we should put that as part of our plans for our GOTV. So those are some of the things that I would offer.
0: Okay, thank you so much. That was so uh, informative because we really wanted to get into some of the technical aspects of the electoral process, how to register to vote. And uh, once we once you get to a polling site, what should you expect? And, and uh, I, I know a lot of uh, new voters, and particularly our young voters, um, are a bit intimidated by the process as well. So um, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Johnson, what are, um, I, I guess, some of the resolutions or resolve that you see out there in terms of um, uh, removing some of the apprehension that young people have regarding the technical aspects of voting, because some feel that you you know I, I don't know I I don't know how to do it. I'm not going to ask anyone because I don't want to look stupid asking someone how to vote. And sometimes we overlook it, not realizing that folks aren't voting because they're intimidated by the process.
7: The, the process. Well, well, here's the thing. So um, I'm getting a little good trouble here. We have to start in junior high school. We have to start. Teaching young people in school to get comfortable with the voting process, right? Uh, when I was in campus or IS 59. Think about IS 59. I ran for sixth grade president because I wanted better school lunch. Uh, I wanted more rec time, um, and, and I, I hated the school lunch. I lost. I understood that I had to. <laughs> I understood I had to uh, uh, get people to vote for me to believe in what I'm saying, and that was a process that was that stuck out for me, right? My age group now. We have to get people in office that are running that inspire people to vote. See, now, I'm 29 years old. I was spoiled. I had Barack Obama, Okay, So I had Barack Obama. Hillary Clinton might not be. She's probably, of course, more qualified than Donald Trump. Um, But she wasn't excited after Barack Obama, all right? So everybody went to Bernie Sanders that said, I'm going to go vote for $15 an hour. Um, I want to pay all tuition to be free for colleges, right? That stuck out to young people, right? We have to start young. We cannot wait till they turn 20 years old to try to teach them how to vote. That's 20 years of bad habit that they've been doing for for years, right? We have to to get people to not think that the process doesn't work. Mm -hmm. We have to educate them every chance that we get. That means don't come to us when it's time to vote. That means come to to us when it's six, seven months ahead of time and tell us why it's important to vote for a city council. It's important to vote for city council because, you know what, you want better parks, you want your schools to be built differently, better, let me say so. Uh, You want better libraries, you want better streets, you have more capital funding. We have to explain because we are the instant gratification generation, which can be negative, it could be a positive, because that means every time you tell me to vote, you need to give me a rationale why to vote. Why is it important to vote? Why is it affecting me? I have a best, I have a best friend right now that cares nothing about politics, cares nothing about voting. But as soon as the stimulus check came, he said, <laughs> I heard we're getting a second one.
2: <laughs>
7: we get a second one? What? Yeah, we might begin a set one, but you know what? The Senate hasn't voted for it yet. So if you would have voted, in heavy numbers to get maybe a Democratic Senate, then we might give a lot more money than, one, than just two checks, right? So we have to explain that in simplistic terms. Got it. simplistic terms, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to make that happen. Yeah. My apologies, John.
0: Thank you so much, Brother Johnson. Um, Mr. Mayors, yes. in, in your role as a consultant, um, do you groom any candidates, uh, you know, ordinary community activists that come to you and say, hey, you know, I'm interested
5: in in running for politics. And, and what does that look like? Absolutely, I do. I actually would not take on a, a, a client candidate um, until they go through that process, that civic education, because sometimes you have folks who have good ideas and who have, you know, uh, in their hearts to make a change. But the basic fundamentals of civic Three branches of government, three levels of government. How does the city council work? How does the community board work? They don't, but they're quote unquote activists. So you are right. So I go through, as a matter of fact, a series of workshops and training as a professor that I am in terms of creating a lot of modules. Um, One is called electability. What it would take to get from point A to point B for you to be elected. One is called competitive edge. So these are seminars just as an example that I do in how do you get to a competitive edge and then understanding the election operation and the process, what does that take? So those those are some examples of what I do, but every candidate, every client, one of the reasons why I'm so successful is because we work in advance. Brother Johnson said it earlier. So for now, my city council candidates and my judicial candidates have already signed on now, and we are working through the process. So what does that mean? It means October during Halloween, they'll be giving kids Halloween, and they'll be talking to those parents. November, they'll be cutting turkey. They will be at those civic centers doing what it means. And holiday time, they'll be giving out toys, photo op, talking to parents, talking to young people. That is the kind of stuff that I start in the head of kids. What are the issues they'll be going to block? association meetings early to listen, to understand what are some of the concerns of the neighborhoods uh, that the neighborhoods uh, hood, hoods have. So yes, I certainly do that because I think is it disastrous um, in not doing so. And you're right. A lot of them, how do you prepare to answer questions that the 18 to 34 year old will have? And I keep going back in terms of segmentation of the marketing major before law school. So what Policies and issues are interesting to the 18 to 34, the young them, certainly are not to the 35 to the 55, who's already working, has a home established. And then the next leg are those who are the the senior citizens, 62 and over, retiring, which we know 62 is young. Um, But they have different interests because they're thinking of their social security check, they're thinking about uh, their homes, whether or not they can refinance taxes that they're paying. So yes, packaging on issues. Packaging on school education. That mom and dad who are looking to purchase that new home, interest rate, schools in that district. What's you know how fair did those school fare? Because that is something that a mom, whether or not she's educated, she wants good school. Even if she's a single mom, she wants to know safety. What are the crime rates in that precinct council? You know, uh, has the candidate been there to address some of those issues? Not showing up when someone is shot. What bothers me a lot is everybody shows up when a killing or thing happened with ideas. Same as the police. The police shows up after the fact, right? We have to be proactive in our voters and how we choose who comes to us to say vote for me. And where have you been lately? How how much do you know of our communities? What is your plan for pre-K? What is your plan for moving forward with the education of the colleges in our district, right? So that is the kind of stuff that I do, because what we have is gentrification, is making a lot of changes, Uh, new immigrants, that their views and their policies are not the same as ours. And they're living next to us. So again, what would be traditional is no longer.
0: Got it. it. Uh, I want to touch on uh, another aspect that is like the elephant in the room. Money has a lot to do with politics as well. And it appears that the communities who are in a better financial standing or, or footing tend to do better politically. And uh, additionally, it appears sometimes in our community that we do politics before we do economics and in other communities, they do economics and then they do politics to protect their economics. So that, with that paradigm, What would you recommend as a community we should focus on first? Or they're not mutually exclusive, they could be done at the same time. Question is for me? Yes.
5: Yeah, I absolutely. A colleague and I were having lunch uh, before the pandemic and um, he said, and this is Mark Pollard, and Mark said, if I had to tell my 20 year old daughter, again, 21, how to view the world and how to strengthen her community and herself by just going to college and the world will be a better place. I would say focus in economics. So, and, and we laugh and, and he asked if I agreed, and I said, yes, I do. So yes, having, we're in a capitalist society, you can't run from it. Um, um, having that base and that infrastructure is critical. Uh, it pains me, it pains me to see how some of our young people, and I have to speak out, sometimes they go to the cornerstone store, to the Arab store, to the store um, run by someone else, and they scream and yell at them, right? It pains me sometimes when I see how we have to stand in line in certain of establishment and be treated with inferiority when we are spending our dollars. So that said, economics is, is, is first, it's important it's not about just getting that job and you're right you know this you know you know what they says the dollar how long it stays in the black community how long it circulates versus the other communities so i would say like anything else um, that we don't necessarily have to go take monies from developers if you're a candidate but if your community is rich and has small businesses that are strong you know MWB local law 1 was I was the chief architect of that when i got to cd hall and i saw Different neighborhoods: the Asian community, the Indian communities, who were getting most of the contracts at the school construction authority, and 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 they said to me, "Well, we come to New York, we come to Brooklyn, we come to Queens, but we're already an architect, we're already an engineer, we're already established, and we pool our money together, right?" So when I asked these East Indians and folks from India, Pakistan, when I was at City Hall, how are you able to get a five million? In, million contract, how did you get your business started is when I pushed to get local law one uh, to bring more access for affirmative action uh, 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 for for, for young businesses to get started up. So in essence, and one said to me easily, within the limits, within the limits, 20 or 30 of us could put the maximum to get a candidate started, 4,400. Now, I'll close with this, and I'm not saying we can't. How many in the African-American community, and I'm not saying that we cannot, can get 40 people or 20 people to give the maximum contribution from a small immigrant community with only 20 years? One, because they understand the economics first. So if that explains or says anything, my answer stands that the new generation, James Johnson and the others, while simultaneously on the political track, understands the importance of economic development and how we strengthen our community with our dollars.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Mr. uh, This question is for Brother Jones. Uh, Brother Neymar, how do you see the interplay between um, technology and uh, the electoral process? Where do you see it going within the next five to ten years?
6: Yeah, uh, technology is the forefront of it. I mean, I think uh, with social uh, media happening right now and the wave of technology with, uh, you know, the pandemic has even enlarged, it even greater, right? When the pandemic happened, we were already on social. We already had this technology in the forefront of us. Uh, When the pandemic hit, everyone's working from home. Everyone now has top of mind technology in place. And so when you look at the facets of what's taking place today, I think uh, it is the forefront for the voting process right now. Uh, especially when you have a president in office that uh, wants to try to push back the election and wants to have all these different issues with uh, mail-in ballots that, are, that he claims it's going to be uh, invalid and so forth. I think technology is going to make a major play, uh, especially in the younger demographics, that 18 to 34 year old demographic right now, uh, it's going to be key. So I think it's um, The direction that it's going in the next five years, I wouldn't be surprised that it's all, um, you know, electronically done, uh, even from your own home, eventually. And I think we'll get there real soon. Uh, It's showing us right now, even in a time of a pandemic, look what's happening right now. You know, in in my day-to-day job, where I'm pushing out uh, different technological issues and and products and services for major clients like a Coca-Cola or a Ford or or Walmart, P&G, et cetera. Uh, where I'm used to being in front of them, and I'm used to conducting meetings, uh, you know, in front of them, in their office, and and we're talking seven-figure deals, that now everything is being done electronically, done from your home, right? So it makes a major difference, and when you talk about that aspect from seven-figure deals monetarily, and you look at the political arena, it's not much different, right? And so from the, the political arena, I see technology being on the forefront from fundraising. I see technology being on the forefront from voting processes. And so when you look at what's happening, I mean, uh, your major players like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they're not hiring uh, marketing folks and sales folks. They're hiring engineers to build out technology or build out infrastructures to support what's happening from political arenas, from what's happening from um, preventing uh, voter fraud pr- from preventing, um, hacking. So I think the technology end of things right now is going to be critical, uh, to the success in the future of our company, our country.
5: Okay, R- R- Brother the had another point, if I could just add quickly, please. Um, I wanted to add in terms of us supporting our elected officials, which is what other communities certainly do better to some extent at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for a fact that there are certain communities that I would go to and they would say, Gloria, tell me what you need. They go back in there and they come back and they said, it is done. My point is, is again, we don't, our leaders work hard for us, um, but we have to educate our voters that, that Congressman Meeks or, or Lira Comrie, and they're not paying me to, to say this, that we should have the community structure in place And Jock you understand that and James because we just did that (laughs) yesterday to say to our leaders because we did a fundraiser yesterday we support you and we know what it takes so therefore you can count from organizations such as the black church Um, if you're 1,500 members in that church can you imagine everyone giving a simple 2,500 with 15 what that math will be so Congressman Meeks and and all the other Queens elected officials shall know for a fact before election year that they can guarantee that. But we have to educate. I had one candidate said to me, Someone gave me $25 and called me every week and said, What are you doing about the park? What are you doing? <laughs> I gave you $25. <laughs> it takes 4,000, it takes anywhere to do campaign literature. It, the budget that I say for my candidates, you know, all mail now is digital. One could spend $60,000 just alone on mailing. in and, and, and if that doesn't come from the community, um, and then it has to come from somewhere else. It has to come from developers. It has to come from somewhere else because it costs money. But if we educate them to understand, particularly if there's matching fund, what that $100 does, you know, times eight, the value that it does that that elected official can turn and say, you've empowered me. Lastly, when folks look at the contribution campaign donation list, they would say, no, I'm staying away with Meeks. His community is tight. Look at his donors list. I believe it was Tish team because someone said to me last year, so forth. There were 300 senior citizens that gave $20 each. And they said, we have issues that affect you in the senior center, and we can't do much with our social security check. But we, three of, 300 of us, have 20 or 25 dollars. That's its power.
0: Got it. Got it. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah. I see we have our congressman back. Thank you. Uh, is that your last vote for this evening, or you have a couple more? Oh, one more left? <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. well, well, this uh, question is for you, Congressman. Um, historically, the labor movement um, has played an integral role in electoral politics, whether nationally or, or locally. And when we look at our communities, for the most part, we have very high union density in our communities. You know, where are the sons of MTA workers, hospital workers, and sons and daughters, I should say. And um, at, at this point, where do you see the labor movement, especially in light of COVID, with over a million people filing for unemployment, How do you see the shift uh, as far as the labor movement and the national
8: politics as well as local? The labor movement is more important now than ever. I heard you talking about technology. We just had a hearing up here uh, yesterday in the Judiciary Committee uh, where they had all of the heads of all the CEOs, whether it was Zuckerberg or uh, Bezos, they all were here to testify. Mm -hmm. And you look at what the so-called essential workers are getting paid, it's not any money. Yet they're not allowed to unionize. We need to unionize them so that they can get their incomes up. Because those that were able to stay at home, they were still getting more money.
2: Mm-hmm.
8: So and so it also tells us that we've got to make sure that our folks understand, you know, I mean, I'm jumping into the technology aspect also, that We've got to be prepared for the jobs that are being created tomorrow so that we can take them, but organize, because that's what labor unions do, organize so you can make sure that the individuals get the benefits that he or she rightly deserved and have earned and be able to move up. So there's more need right now. And the, and the other key is, you know, what's the trick bag? Anytime we look at the unemployment piece, because more of our labor unions and where our people are, are in the public sector. And the public sector is strong, but if you look at where they're cutting jobs at, had a great, is the public sector, which are our jobs. Uh, And if, for example, right now, my brother Leroy Comrie and my colleagues in the state legislature and my colleagues in the city council, we're fighting with Mitch McConnell and the other guy at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue because they don't want to give any money to cities and states to pay for the deficits that they've drawn up. And Mm -hmm. so if those monies, those funds don't come, then all my brothers in labor that are in municipal governments, those jobs are going to get cut. And we will be further unemployed. And these are the decent, good-paying jobs that government provides. But those jobs are never included in the projection. They talk about private sector, but we've got to talk about more, not only private sector, public sector also, because that's where our folks are. And we've got to fight, and then we've got to make sure that we have the right people in public sector who's not trying to ship out the jobs to someplace or somebody else at our expense. And those are the middle class jobs that our parents, as you talked about, had to help put us through school and the college and education. So all of that and the changing of this economy is happening right now, but we've got to be on top of it. Because folks in the hotel industry, the airline industry, the rest of our industry, some of that's going to change. Because business, my brother just talked about it earlier. They may not be flying back and forth. And you used to have a lot of business travel that caused and created dollars in the economy. So if they're going to be Zooming, <laughs> these industries are going to hurt and change. So we've got to try to stay ahead of where it is and where it's going to be tomorrow economically. Lastly, I just that economic piece that so I just caught on to, then I got to do one more vote. Um, we got to make sure we own our own communities. You know, I look at what's going on, all we want are the jobs we got to own. And we've got to have access to capital. And we've got to make sure that we've got our attorneys and our accountants that look like us. That's what other communities do to stabilize these buildings, these businesses. And one of the things that we're working on right now, for example, we've got banking deserts now in southeastern Queens. So where do you get the capital from? So we're fighting to create some minority depository institutions Have the wherewithal to get the deposits in there that they can't live. You know, sometimes we say they're not successful. They can't live on just um, uh, deposits on regular checking accounts because we live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. So you put the money in today, you take it out to pay the bill tomorrow. So there's no money for the bank to lend. So here's where protest leads to politics. So I'm working on a bill right now with Senators Mark Warner, um, Kamala Harris, uh, uh, Cory Booker, that we're going to be able to input, have the federal government put $10 billion into MDIs and CDFIs that can loan out to our businesses and move forward. I got to run real quick. Uh, They just buzzed me again.
2: Okay,
0: well, you know what? We're actually at the end of the program, Congressman, and we were at the point of the program where we were going to ask each of our panelists to give some closing remarks. So what you just left us with, we have a lot to chew on, and that was a great uh, um, remark you just provided us. So we'll count that as your closing remark. And just thank you for all the, uh, you know, the fight that you're doing on, on Capitol Hill for us. We know these last four years, I haven't been easy and hopefully the next four years bring brings something a little different
8: thank you brother thank everybody good to be with you
0: thank really you nice. much thank you thank you and uh our remaining panelists we want to thank you and give you an opportunity to give us a, a 60 second we like the 60 second stuff 60 second closing remarks and all of our guests who are online please do not leave we opened up in prayer We'd like to close out in prayer, and we have some announcements that we'd like to give you as well. So we started, you you know, our queen was first, and we're going to ask our queen of this panel to to start uh, her closing remarks first as well. One second, uh, I think we uh, the tech folks have to unmute. Okay. There we go. Yes, we're good now. Uh,
4: And I'll try to keep it to the 60 seconds. (laughs) Uh, But I just really wanted to say thank you because I think through these types of programming, what we're doing is leveling the playing field. Uh, These Zoom conversations allow everyone to have access to the brightest minds along with providing access to those seeking to find information and seeking to find a place for their voice. Um, So, thank you for leveraging this unprecedented moment of social distancing, Uh, but we have to remember that wherever there is systemic racism, you can better believe that there are plans for voter suppression. And whether it's coming from inside New York or forces coming from outside of New York working on us, we have to stay prepared. So part of my messaging to those who are listening um, is sometimes I know it can be overwhelming with information. So whether it's emails or television or um social media there's so many things so much information coming at us and some things that i try to offer is try to select Um, some of your primary and secondary uh, sources and keep them in your pocket. So it's just like we learned in grade school. We need to know um, what our primary voting resources or sources could be your board of election or your NYC votes or your local elected officials office and sign up for their mailing list and follow them on their social media so that this way you're getting credible information that you can count on and can point to uh, because sometimes we're looking for the right information and then secondarily find a, a, a not-for-profit uh, maybe the NAACP uh, maybe their local branch, maybe the, the fraternity for sure, or the sororities or your Jack and Jill's or your links or a place that you know has your best interest in mind that you can count on and follow them also, because in a pinch, sometimes you want to ask a question to someone that you can trust. So as we prepare, we've got to put on our armor as we're getting into this election season and be best prepared as we can. So thank you. And I hope I've helped to, pre- um, to prepare others.
0: Yes, thank you so much, uh, Mrs. Coward Mayers. <laughs> and now we're asked from the second half of the dynamic duel, Mr.
5: Gregory. Um, who's
4: downstairs. I'm oh, upstairs, he's downstairs.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no conflict, right? <laughs> Good, thank you. Um, let me just say thank you again, Brother Jacques Leandre and uh, the brothers from Omega Psi and James uh, Chavis for, um, giving me the opportunity to share, to lend some of my uh, expertise and knowledge and experience um, with you, because uh, without education, without empowerment, a community is empty. But since we have strong men on here and strong women, I see you listening, on, listening in, um, you know, the phrase, you know, a man's house is his castle, and that goes for women too as well. Your queen is in here. You do that to protect her. If we are men and your community is not your castle, you don't own your community, you don't have any rights to it, how do you protect your wife and your children? If you're being violated by policies, decisions by the local law enforcement, if you can't pick up the phone and call the precinct captain and say, this is Jacques Leandre, I need this X, Y, Z done on the table to move from that corner because it's impacting our children. Or if not, you bring all the brothers from Omega Psi to stand in front of that precinct. Or you write a letter to say you will not be the precinct commander anymore. You would not. So again, the disrespect because of knowledge that we don't understand the tools, what it takes to empower our community. So again, you can't be in your castle, in your man castle is his house. Your community means the same. If you walk in your community and you don't feel empowered, if you don't feel that you can spend your dollar, if there are not businesses that you cannot buy or purchase, if your schools are not graduating the students successfully and the men are not doing what they're supposed to do based on Christian or the Muslim value, whatever you are, each of those talks about strength of what a man's role should be. And the woman, the queen is. Then, no pun intended, queens, the bower of queens, flip back to the borough of Brooklyn to, to Kings. So we know that title already is granted, is given to us. So continue to do what you do, strengthen the communities by forums like these. And I will look forward to the next segment, whether I'm on or not, that you have um, a slew of young folks or middle-aged folks who are ready for the city council seat um, and who are ready to start new businesses in your community to empower. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you again,
0: uh, Mr. Mayers. Appreciate it. And at this time, Brother Jones, stick to your 60 seconds, brother.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I will do. Uh, again, I'm grateful for this wonderful fraternity of mine that I, I love so much in our chapter. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of the panel. Uh, what I'll say is uh, do something about what's happening, right? We, we sit on this panel and we can have all these discussions, but What's after this? What's to come after this? Uh, it's so critical for us to go in, and none of us on this panel have pulled our own selves up by our own bootstraps. We got to go back and get some folks and go and help them out and go and teach them the importance of what their voice stands for. And so, uh, I challenge everybody on this call uh, to go out in the community of Queens and, and, and go and pull up a brother and, and tell them, you know, why they should vote and, and tell them the importance of their voice, that they are strong as a people. And so I'll leave you with that. I mean, I have a strong, strong passion for uh, disenfranchised brothers because they think it's the end of the road and it's so not. Uh, and you're living at a You're looking at a living witness. So uh, I, I challenge you to do that. I, I'll be on the front lines doing the same thing, and I just ask that you join forces with me to to spread the word that their voices matter and that they matter. And that's it.
0: Thank you, brother. Fifty nine seconds. That was a good one. A
6: good one. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we
0: have our like I said, our young gun man. Uh, he, he he he's giving us life here, uh, James Johnson.
7: Uh, I'm, the, I'm the one that's born in the 90s, right? Um, <laughs> I, I, listen, well, you know, the work must continue. Um, just looking at who's on the call right now, right? You're not gonna see right now in this phone call, right? on this Zoom call, you don't see many young people under 40, probably under 45 that's on this phone call. So how do myself, our chapter, uh, other young people, you know, get everybody engaged? It is so difficult to get young people to see the the importance of, you know, the miseducation of the 21st voter, right? It it, it hinders us so much, you know, that we don't understand the power with the vote and how we can leverage everything in our communities and meet people where we are. In Southeast Queens right now, there are at least seven to 10 millennial-led groups. Seven to 10 millennial-led groups. That means they're not going to civic associations. That means they're not going to block associations. That means they're not going to churches. All right. That means we have to keep meeting them where they are. Right. That means that they're ready to be to advocate. They're ready to educate and understand what's going on. We have to keep meeting where they, meeting everybody where they are. The senator definitely has, has been doing that. The congressman, all the elected officials, have been meeting young people where they are. We have to keep making sure young people are active and. We have to drag, and listen, if your, if your son or daughter lives with you in your house, drag them to the polls. You can't, you, listen, you can't live in here for free and not vote, all right? We have to get on that type of time right now because we are, Trump has to go, and everything is not, you know, Congress and presidential. We have to work on local because we have Donald Trumps right here in our communities.
0: All right. Thank you, Brother Johnson. See, I told you you could go. <laughs> Brother Johnson, he has a battery in his back every time we see him. Um, it is hot. It is hot in there. It is hot. That's all. <laughs> it is. Well, we're, we're, we're at the very end, and I would be totally remiss if we didn't get remarks from our vice boss list, Brother James Chavis, if you could bring us some um, brief remarks, Brother Chavis.
1: Yes, thank you, Jock. Uh, thanks to everyone for attending tonight. Um, Brother Basta said it best in, in his greetings. Um, and and um, I want to thank the panelists uh, who, uh, on a Thursday night, you could be doing something else, but your expertise will lead you here. Um, and so thank you for lending time. This was a busy week, and it's not over yet. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, um, about what we have going on as Omegas, uh, for the tail of the week, but I want to take a moment to earmark and thank um, um, Principal Anthony Hooks uh, for his his idea, for his vision, and for him um, pushing it through, and for each and every brother that behind the scenes, uh, including jock, uh, that that um, uh, leaned in and you know put their 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 hand on the plow, and we pushed forward. so. Um, our, our panelists, uh, you just happen to be really smart, so you know that, that part was easy. <laughs> and we thank you for lending. But um, um, the brothers who who uh, who care, they pull together a uh, wonderful group of people to talk about something that matters so much. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful to you, Jock, as well um,
0: as well as Brother
1: Boss um, for the opportunity to speak.
0: God bless you all tonight. Thank you so much, Vice Bachelors. We really appreciate it. And we're at the very end. Just a couple of announcements. Um, yes, this is called the Black Men's Talk series, but we just don't talk. There's It actually should be Black Men's Action Series because we're about action as well. And in fact, you could join us while we're in action. Tomorrow, uh, we'll be in the Baisley Houses doing a census and voter, excuse me, on Saturday, August 8th we'll be at the Baisley Houses at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. doing a census and voters' registration drive. So if you happen to be in the area right there on, on, what is that, Uh, Galbrau and Foch, meet us there. We're, We're about action. Talk is good, but we're about action as well. And tomorrow, there's a resource day honoring our dearly departed brother, Brother Dr. Jeremiah Gaffney. The third, um, the resource day will have COVID testing, census um, work, voters information, and also food distribution. So anyone that you know in the surrounding area in Far Rockaway tomorrow between the hours of 12 and 4 p.m. If you look at your screen, uh, additional details are right there. It's at Bayswater Park 701 Bay, 32 Street, Um, again, honoring our brother, Dr. Jeremiah Gaffney, a a man that stands as a giant uh, regarding the work that he's done in the community. And and he's been there for us when we had our family tragedies and we need to be there supporting his his son and his family as they keep the legacy of brother Gaffney alive. And we would love to see you there again, COVID, COVID testing, census work, voters information, registration. Please join us. And in October, right before the na- national election, we're going to have a part two of Black Men's Black Men Talk series. We'd love for you to join us. Invite a friend, uh, uh, invite family. And on on behalf of Omega Sci-Fi, Fraternity Incorporated, the Norma Khan chapter, we just want to thank you. This was a, a phenomenal, phenomenal event. Thank you to all the panelists. We can't thank you enough. Your swag bag will be sent to you at the door. <laughs> Brother Anthony Hooks said he's paying for it. So <laughs> in a couple of weeks, you'll get it. But uh, again, thank you. And we started in prayer and we'd love to end in prayer. And at this time, we're, go- we're going to ask Brother Jason Carter if he can close us out in prayer. Brother Carter.
9: Thank you, thank you, Brother Leandre. Um, thank you to all our esteemed guests, all our visitors and people from far and near who came to um, be a part of such a tremendous opportunity to go out here and educate others. Um, thank you, thank you for everything. Let us close our eyes and bow our spirits as we go before the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father God, for your continued grace and your mercy. In your blessing in this entire United States of America. Thank you, Father God, as the many people who have been able to be exposed to this information here today. The education of us, for us, Father God, and giving us the opportunity to say that these polls and voting is important. The education of our young black males, young females, is very important, Father God. Thank you for giving us the audacity and the hope to come out there and bring forth a message. The time is now. It is essential now that we take this message today and we go out into our communities, go back into our homes, go back into our businesses and share that love and share this information, Father God, that only that you've been able to impart before us. Thank you for building communities. Thank you for taking this word. Thank you for the information that was imparted in us, Father God, that we are not just hearers of the word, we are doers. And we go out there and we take this, we do not take this for granted. Father God, you've instilled in us a power and the will to inspire others. And Father God, we will never ever find that void in our hearts. So as all of these people go back into their destinations, back to their homes and their communities, Father God, continue to cover them, provide for them, give them the strength, the wisdom, and the understanding. Allow the parents, the guardians, the mentors, and the many politicians and political leaders, Father God, to do their part in educating others. We serve a great God. And that great God allows us to go out and serve people. Let us never, ever take that for granted. Thank you for the mighty men of the Omega Psi Phi Fraternity and Corporate New Omicron Chapter. Thank you for all of these panelists and their wisdom, their knowledge, their understanding, and their truth that they brought before you. And let us go out and continue to serve our people, those millennials. Give them the hope. Inspire them. Give them the truth. Let nothing go unheard. All of this is our prayer in Jesus' precious and mighty name.
0: Amen. 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 <laughs> Again, thank you all. Thank you, Brother Carter, for such a wonderful prayer, brother. Yeah. What a way to cap off the night. Thank you, sir. Thank and
2: good night thank all. You. Thank, you. Thank, thank you. you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. Thank you. Thank you, panelists. Thank you. Great job, John. Thank you.
4: To our host. Thank you to our brother moderator.
5: Thank you. Yes, sir. Good
2: job. Good. good job. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Everybody be safe. Thank you. All right. All Thank right. right. Thank you, Brother Hooks. Yes, sir. Thank you. Nice. Miss Pat Moore. Hey, 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 Miss Pat. Hey, <laughs> 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 What's up, girl? Oh, man, I saw my wife on some salon. I see All right.
7: I'm going to hang up. Because we're still live, right? Yeah. Um,
2: yep, we're still live.
7: All right I'm hanging I'm, I'm I'm leaving I guess we'll all all right
2: All right Okay bros we're on at 10:30 <laughs> <laughs>